out there speaking I think seven or eight times so remember him if you would I uh, found something the other day that uh, indicates what the uh, perfect pastor is like and I thought I'd share that with you here this morning says the perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes he condemns sin roundly but never hurts anyone's feelings he works from 8 a.m. till midnight and is also the church janitor perfect pastor makes $40 a week this is a few years back uh, wears good clothes drives a good car buys good books and donates $30 a week to the church He's 29 years old and has 40 years' experience. Above all, he is handsome. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers, and he spends most of his time with the senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his church. He makes 15 home visits a day and is always in his office to be handy when needed. The perfect pastor always has time for church council and all of its committees. He never misses the, the meeting of any church organization and is always busy evangelizing the unchurched. The perfect pastor is always the next church over. If your pastor does not measure up, simply send this notice to six other churches that are tired of their pastor too. Then bundle up your pastor, send him to the church at the top of the list. If everyone cooperates in one week, you'll receive 1,643 pastors. One of them should be perfect. Have faith in this letter. One church broke the chain and got its old pastor back in less than three months. So. <laughs> Obviously, the indication of that is that no pastor can be perfect and meet up with everyone's expectations. But uh, as we talk about healthy churches and what a healthy church is like, if a church is going to be healthy, it is important that both the pastor and the congregation of that church have a biblical understanding of God's plan for leadership in the church. It's also essential that all of those who serve in leadership positions in a local church fulfill their role properly. Today we want to focus our attention about what the Bible ha- on what the Bible has to say about the office of a pastor in the local church. And we want to consider four primary facts about the office of pastor this morning. And tonight, we'll take a look at what the Bible presents as far as qualifications of any man who is to serve as a pastor. First of all, we open the Word of God and we find out something about positions of leadership in the church. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. Talking about the church here. Being a group of Jews and Gentiles brought together, members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. There speaks about the fact that the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Sometimes the apostles actually functioned as prophets, but Christ is the chief cornerstone. We talk about leadership in the church, we want to hit that point number of times. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. Over a couple of chapters in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, And he, that's Jesus, 
he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. We find out that uh, one of the roles for leadership in the church was the role of apostle. Apostles were called, appointed, and sent out by Jesus to be his witnesses, to preach the gospel, and to establish local churches where people became followers of Christ. They gave leadership to churches that were established until other pastors were appointed. And their dedication to teaching and prayer and the ministry of the Word set the example of anyone for anyone who's going to serve in the role of leadership in the church today. The apostles continued to minister to the church in general, uh, where they, they didn't necessarily serve in a local church pastoral role specifically. We see that in the letters of Paul. We see it in the letters of Peter, the letters of John sent out to uh, various churches. The one thing I want you to note here is that the apostles were the only men to serve in an authoritative role over the local church from outside of the local church. Apostles and prophets were the foundation of the church. Christ is the chief cornerstone. There are no apostles today. The Apostle John was the last apostle to die, and that happened almost 2,000 years ago. The New Testament does not teach any kind of a denominational hierarchy over and outside the local church. You don't find it in Scripture. It's not there. We'll touch on that a moment later as well. We find that uh, when we come also to the, the matter of local church leadership, we come to the, the office of elder, uh, elder, pastor, shepherd, overseer, and bishop. And just start right out and let you know those are are three titles for the same office. We find that the term elder uh, is based on the, the Greek term presbyteros. We get the word presbyterian from that. Uh, there's a connection there. But the, the, the word simply means leader. It's used of leaders in, in Israel. There were elders from the various tribes that were called together and met together and, and functioned under the leadership of, of Moses and, and Aaron. But there were leaders in Israel. In, in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 2, it talks about elders in the, uh, in the city. So the elders were the leaders in cities. The, the synagogues had elders who were the leaders in the synagogue. And so it is when we come to the New Testament, we find out about the church that elders are are leaders in local churches. I want to back up just a minute and touch on that. Uh, we find that mentioned different places. Just uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 14, verse 23, and we find the term used here. We'll be looking at a number of passages of Scripture here this morning. Acts chapter 14, Verse 23, so it says, When they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Uh, that's Paul and his ministry, commending elders in the local churches to serve in a leadership capacity within the churches. So we have elders uh, as a term used for leadership in the church. Also, we have the term pastor or shepherd. It comes from the Greek word um, poimeion, which means literally shepherd. Sometimes that term is used in the New Testament and refers to those who are, are literally shepherds of sheep. 
Well, we find that being a shepherd, a pastor, is one function of an, an elder. Uh, the terms used in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about shepherds of the people. Sadly, some of them were poor shepherds that led the people astray. Jesus also uses the term shepherd in talking about those who would lead his people. And he talks about some who were good shepherds, describing himself as the good shepherd. But also talks about others who were hirelings, who didn't care about the good interest of the, the best interest of the sheep. They cared about them themselves. We read about that in John chapter 10. Uh, basically, the, the lot, there's a lot packed into that title to tell you what a pastor's supposed to do. Uh, what's a shepherd do for the sheep? Well, he, he leads the sheep. He makes sure they have food and they're well taken care of. They have good water to drink. Uh, he protects them and takes care of the sheep that are entrusted to his care. Basically, that's a function that the pastor has within a local church to feed the people, to, to take care of them, to protect them from, from danger and try to lead them in the path that the, the Lord would, would have us all to, to walk on. Uh, if you need to know a little bit more about what a shepherd does, you can read the 23rd Psalm and you get a picture there how God functions as, as our shepherd and it gives some guidelines for a pastor in his role as well. We find that Jesus is called in Scripture in two different places. He's referred to as being our shepherd or, or our, our pastor. So we have, uh, there's the second term, referring to the same office. Uh, third term uh, that refers to the office is, is episkopos. Uh, get episcopalian from that. I'm sure glad I'm not an episcopalian because I couldn't even spell it very well, probably. But uh, it means, the term means overseer or guardian, or it can also be translated, as it is some places in the New Testament, bishop. And here's another function of the elder. And we see an example of that. You're still in the book of Acts. Go over to chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Paul's on his way to Rome and knows his life's not going to last too much longer. He's going to be imprisoned and everything. But we find that as he's on his way to Rome, it says he stops in Miletus and says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. And he goes on and talks about his ministry that he carried on there when, when he ministered in, in Ephesus. But the thing I want you to notice is that uh, he talks about in verse 27, he says, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He preached to the people everything that God wanted him to preach. But then in verse 28, he says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and all the flock. Watch over the flock. Watch yourself. And to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd or pastor the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then he goes on and points out the danger. He says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. 
And remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So the pastor is to function as an, an overseer, a leader within the church, and, and one who protects the church, protecting them particularly from false teaching and, and wrong doctrine. It talks here about wolves, savage wolves attacking the church from the outside. It also talks about false teachers being raised up from the inside. Uh, George spoke a moment ago about how people want to redefine that, that whole matter of truth. The sad thing is, that's not just going on outside the church. That's actually being preached for many pulpits today. You decide what's right for you and, and what you should do with your life instead of looking at the absolutes that there are in Scripture. Uh, and there, that needs to be warned against today. All churches aren't the same. All pastors aren't the same. There are pastors and there are churches where, where the gospel is not being taught, where falsehoods are being taught, where people are being taught that basically you live a good life and be good and you, you'll go to heaven. Uh, salvation by grace through faith is not being taught. The deity of Christ is not being taught. The inerrancy and infallibility is not being taught. And so one of the one of the things that, that pastors are called upon to do is function as an overseer, a protector, and to continue to preach the truth and also warn about error. So we find here what we have is uh, the, the same principle seen in Hebrew 13 where it talks about the, the pastor serving as a, an overseer. But uh, local church leaders are called bishops or, or, or overseers, and you have a number of passages of Scripture that are listed there for you as well. And Jesus is called our overseer, our bishop. Once again, we find that all three titles refer to the same office. It's not, well, we have the pastor of the local church, and then we have the bishop here, and then we have a, uh, an elder someplace else. It's actually three terms referring to the same title. In fact, we see that clearly here in Acts chapter 20. If you go back uh, to that 17th verse, it says, Paul is in Miletus, and he sent to Ephesus, and who did he call for? The elders of the church. You get down here to verse 28. He's talking to these elders of the church that have been called to Miletus to meet with them. And what's he saying? He says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, bishops, guardians, and to shepherd or pastor the church of God. The thing you see in that passage is the fact that these men who are called elders back in, in, chapters, in, in verse 17 are also functioning as overseers or bishops and, and pastors down here in verse 28. What you have is, is all three titles referring to the same office, far different than what we have in many places in the world today. And just summing all that up, we find, as we said a moment ago, with the exception of the apostle, all other titles for the leadership of the New Testament refer really to a local church office. Uh, a bishop is, is a pastor in a local church. Uh, a bishop is, is an elder, an overseer in the local church. It's not that you have a pastor here and then you have bishops that are over a number of churches. Uh, in fact, this whole matter of de denominational hierarchy is something that is extra-biblical and is a development of man. And boy, it opens it up for all kinds of political problems and things like that in the face of the denomination. We find the New Testament teaches primarily the local church. 
the autonomy of the local church. Our local church is accountable to Jesus Christ. We are part of a fellowship of churches, part of an association of churches. But our only accountability as a local church is to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his church. Well, we're not, we're not accountable to a pope. We're not accountable to bishops or archbishops or anything like that. All that stands without the old, outside the, the New Testament. And uh, we just don't find it there in the whole model of leadership that's laid out for us there in Scripture. We find that, uh, that there's also described in Scripture assistance and leadership for those who would serve as elders and pastors and overseers, and that's in the office of deacon. And next week, all deacons should be here. Anybody that might ever be a deacon should be here. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the office of deacon as we get together next Sunday morning. But uh, we find that the, when we think about this matter of leadership in the local church, there, in fact, leadership anywhere, there is a, a priority that we need to be aware of. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 22. This is the night before the Lord's crucifixion. He's instituted the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And we find in verse 22, excuse me, chapter 22, verse 24. It says, there was also rivalry among them. That's among the disciples, the, the, those are going to be apostles. There was rivalry among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Peter's saying, I'm the greatest. Paul said, or, or John saying, no, I, I'm, I'm more important in the ministry than, than, than what you are. James speaking up and saying, no, I think it's me. And Matthew saying, no, I think it's, I'm going to be the greatest in the Lord's kingdom. And notice what Jesus said uh, concerning this whole matter of, of leadership and greatness. And he said to them, this is Jesus, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. The, the, the leaders and the kings of the Gentiles lorded it over the people that were their subjects, and they ruled over them for their own benefit, and they were kind of on a, they kind of go on a, a power trip. Uh, have you ever had a boss like that? Now they're the boss, and they want to let you know it. They're on a power trip. They lord it over the people that are working under them. And Jesus said, that's the way it is with the Gentiles. But notice what he says in verse 26. He says, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. What he's talking about here is in instituting the whole principle of servant leadership. You want to be a, an effective leader for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a matter of servant leadership. We are responsible for the people that we lead, whether it's in the family, whether it's in a business, whether it's in the church. A, a person is not leading just to exercise authority, just to go on an ego trip, just to let people know how great they are. But rather, it's the whole matter of servant leadership. A, a, a husband is to, to be the, the leader in the family. But, but it's not just leading the family for his own best interest and what he wants to do. He's got a responsibility for his wife. He's got a responsibility for his children. And as he serves uh, the Lord and leads that family, it's a matter of serving them, having their best interests in mind. And so it is. 
Well, if a man's going to be an effective pastor in a local church, it's not just leading the church for, for his own ego or his own benefit, but ma- rather it's a matter of leading the church to glorify Jesus Christ and having the best interest of the sheep. A shepherd that uh, uh, just has his own interest in mind when, when, the, when the bear comes, the lion comes, man, he cuts out of there and leaves the sheep to fend for themselves. That's not, that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan for leadership anywhere. God's plan is this matter of, of servant leadership. And we have the example set for us of Jesus. Verse 27 says, Who's greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? But yet I'm among you as the one who serves. You can go back to John 13, find out where when, the, when the disciples came, he's the one that ends up washing their feet. He's the one that, that, that's serving them. And he served them at the, the, the Last Supper, served them at the Lord's Supper. And he serves all of us by going to Calvary's cross. And they're dying in our place. He's Lord. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He, he's sovereign God. But yet for our benefit, he was willing to humble himself and go to the cross of Calvary, take our sin upon himself, and die in our place And we're called upon then to let the same mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus as described in Philippians 2. We find that the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5, great passage for for those who are going to be pastors, those who are going to be leaders in the local church, he finds out that you don't lord it over people. You You don't drive sheep. You don't lord it over people. But rather he says instead of lording it over people, you lead by example. So this is a priority for leadership. As far as the qualifications, we'll talk about those tonight. But what's a pastor to do? What's God's expectation? Well, we've already talked about shepherding the flock, uh, taking care of the, of the flock of God. By the way, it's important to notice that, that it's God's flock. It's, it's important for me as a pastor, and it's also important for all of us who are part of this local church to remember, whose church is this? Whose church is it? It's God's church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It belongs to It's not my church as the pastor. It's not Pastor Mark's church. It's not Pastor Chris's church. It's not the deacon's church. It's not the board's church. It's God's church. It belongs to him. And all, that should, all that's done, all that's said, should be to accomplish his plan, his purposes, and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that the, the pastor has the responsibility to feed the sheep. Uh, you recall the, the conversation that, that Jesus had with Peter after his resurrection. Uh, he's kind of recommissioning Peter. And he asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What's Peter's answer each time? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. And the Lord's response to that was, well, Peter, if you love me, then, then feed my sheep thinking about probably some of the other apostles and plus others later on, those are going to become the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find a pastor has a role of teaching that he needs to carry on. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, the pastor, Timothy's told to take the things that, that were, he learned, the things that were taught to him, and, and pass those on and commit them to faithful men who are able to teach others also. So it's a teaching role. We find it's a preaching the word role. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's last letter. 
written to Timothy as a young pastor just before, Peter, before Paul is, is to be executed. And here's his, here's his exhortation to Timothy as a young pastor. Here's his exhortation to anybody who's going to serve as a pastor in a local church. Here's what the expectation of a congregation ought to be of a pastor, first and foremost, in a local church. Here's what ought to be expected. Paul says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Here it is. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. My most important role as a pastor of this local church is to preach the word of God, to give you the truth that's in this book. And if I ever fail to do that, you ought to get rid of me. That's my responsibility. That's the responsibility of any pastor is to preach God's word, to preach God's truth, to declare it with, with passion, to declare it with, with conviction, to pair with confidence, and also share it with application as well. It talks here about as you preach it, do it with, uh, with sometimes convincing, sometimes rebuking, sometimes exhorting. And he also calls pastors to be long-suffering. Long-suffering with who? Well, with the people. With the people. And patient and long-suffering and continually teaching again and again the truths of God's Word. So a very important factor for, for anybody who's a very important expectation for any, any local church of any pastor. Lord takes me out of here at some point and you bring a new pastor in, I, I, I encourage you with all my heart Make sure it's somebody that's going to preach the Word of God. Make sure it's somebody that's, con- that's convicted that that's what his job is above everything else, is to preach God's Word, preach God's truth. That same passage down in verse 5, he says, uh, but, but you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. God also has part of the pastor's job, do the work of an evangelist. What's an evangelist do? Well, he, he, he tries to evangelize. And what do you do when you evangelize? You share the gospel with people. What's the gospel? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We're called upon to put our faith in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's the the gospel, declaring the gospel. And pastors are expected to do that as well as all other believers as well. To be busy in evangelizing, sharing the truth of God's word to try to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastors also have a responsibility to protect the sheep. We talked about that from Acts chapter 20 there a moment ago. They're there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We read a passage a moment ago in Ephesians chapter 4 where it says that Christ has given uh, apostles and prophets and pastor teachers and evangelists. By the way, the evangelists in that passage probably the equivalent of our modern day missionaries uh, that, that's spelled out there in Ephesians chapter 4. But the the Pastor teachers are to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not the pastor teachers that do all the work of the ministry, but it's equipping the saints so that the saints are involved in serving, ministering for Christ, ministering to other people, ministering to each other. And the final uh, responsibility a pastor has in performing his job is setting the example for the people, leading the people, not by lording it over them, but by setting an example. This business of don't do what I do, do what I say. That doesn't cut it. That doesn't cut it in the family. That doesn't cut it in the local church. 
And in fact, I really believe we need to be very, very careful in any situation where we have leadership responsibilities that we practice what we preach and lead by example. We find out when it comes to the, the power of leadership in the local church. One of the things that first and foremost we need to remember is that Christ has to have the preeminence. As we saw there in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it's the church of God. It's the church of Jesus Christ. Notice in Colossians chapter 1, Paul's desire. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul's desire in ministering to the Colossians. Talking about Jesus said, and he, and he, that's Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, first one to be raised from the dead is a true resurrection, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Christ must have the preeminence. The job of the pastor is to point people to Jesus Christ, that he be first, that he be foremost, that he be above everything else. It's all about him. It's not about the pastor. It's about Christ. Uh, the authority that the pastor has comes from the Word of God. As he preaches the Word of God, uh, Timothy is told by Paul to preach the Word, but he's also given confidence in the Word, uh, being told that the, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's all God-breathed, and it's profitable for doctrine, for rebuke, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As I, as I would share with you from this pulpit or, or, or in a counseling room or, or a teaching stand, whatever, my authority doesn't come from myself. And the authority I have comes from this book. Now, if I can show you in this book that it, what it says, um, you need to forgive somebody. You, you need to get things right with that person. Hey, that's not just my opinion. That's what Christ said. What did he say? He said, we're to forgive. If we want him to forgive us, we've got to forgive. He says, we're not to uh, get vengeance ourselves. We're to trust the Lord And when it comes to things like that. Well, whenever I can point you to Scripture, when, when I can point you to Scripture that tells you if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, hey, that, that, that's authoritative. That's factual. That's true. That's absolute truth. I point you to Scripture that says that uh, we need to be baptized after we're saved. That's not just my opinion. That's what Christ, what did he tell the apostles? He says, I want you to go out and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I tell you, you need to give to the Lord. That's not just my opinion. We find that laid out in Scripture. That's the authority of Scripture. And we need to go along with it. We find that there, there is an element of authority that God does give to, to pastors as the overseers, the leaders in the church, especially as they faithfully proclaim and, and present God's truth. If you've got your Bibles there again, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, verse 7 and verse 17. Exhortation at the close of the book of Hebrews. Remember those who rule over you, who spoke in the word of God to you. 
whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. You know what it says there? But one of these, I've got to give an account for you. You've got to stand before the judgment seat of Christ yourself. But as pastor, I've got to also give an account. I've got to give an account for my own faithfulness. But it, but it says here that it would be great if the pastor could give an account with, with joy and, and not with grief. That means that the, the people that are taught the Word of God ought to be following the teaching that's given in the Word of God and not just be hearers of the Word but ought to be doers of the Word of God as well. We find that the pastor is accountable to the Lord for himself as well. The, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. Pastors are under shepherds. You know, they're, 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 I've, got a, I've got a boss. It's not the, not the congregation. It's not the deacon. You know who my boss is? It's Christ himself. I'm accountable to him. And he, he sees me in everything that I do. I'm, I'm his under-shepherd. I'm his representative here. Uh, ultimately, he's the leader of this church. He's the head of this church. And my job, my job is to direct your attention to the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank the Lord for men that have served as pastors in my life. And for what they've taught me and for the fact that they pointed me to the Word of God and they pointed me to Jesus Christ, and I'm thankful for what it's done in my life. The fact of the matter is a pastor can help us in our walk with Jesus. But ultimately, our hope is not in any pastor. And the fact of the matter is, you know, any pastor can let us down. We started out reading about a perfect pastor. Guess what? There is no such animal alive on the face of this earth they're all dead and they didn't get perfect until they got dead now as long as they went through this life they carried that sin nature and they continued to sin there is no perfect pastor and i, I encourage you don't don't just don't look at me and if I, you find me stumble someplace let that pull the the, the rug out from under you I, I i try to do the best i can but i know that i am fallible and it's my job first and foremost to point you to jesus he will never let you down. He will never fail you. Our hope needs to be in Him. Pastors can be a help. God's, that's part of God's plan for the church. But ultimately, our hope is where? It's in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's my desire this morning. Point you to Christ. Point you to Jesus. If you're here and you don't know Him as your Savior, guess what? I can't do anything to save you. He's already done it all when he died on Calvary's cross and rose again the third day. He's paid for your sin. I can tell you about that. I can show you in Scripture where it says that, but ultimately it comes down to you coming to Jesus. You come to the place where you recognize you are a sinner in need of a Savior and you putting your trust in Him to be your Savior and putting your hope for eternal life in Him, a sure and certain hope based on the Word of God. If you're here this morning and you know Christ is your Savior, but you're not following Him, you're not really trusting in Him, you're, you're, you're worrying, you're struggling and whatnot, let me encourage you, look to Christ. 
look to him. He is our, our hope. My job points you to Jesus. Your responsibility, look to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Follow Jesus. Tell others about Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. And Father, we thank you. I thank you that you use 